CSN International presents to every man an answer, the live apologetics program that equips you to give a reason for the hope that lies within you. If you have a Bible question or a question on the Christian faith, you can call us at 1-888-827-5276. Again, that's 1-888-ASK-CSN. Let's get things started. Here's today's host, Mike Kessler. Hi, and welcome to Friday's edition of To Every Man and Answer. Glad you've joined us. Again, we always are looking forward to answering some questions with you. And again, we set this time aside every weekday afternoon to answer questions about the Bible from the Bible, looking at current events through a biblical view, as well as what we hear in church on uh, when we attend, is it even in the Bible at all? So if you've got a question you'd like to ask us, that number to call again, 8888-ASK-CSN. And we got some lines open if you want to be part of the program today. Again, 8888-ASK-CSN. Joining me today, special guest featured... Uh, featured speaker from from many years ago. I've known Mike for many years, Mike McIntosh, uh, formerly the senior pastor of Horizon International Fellowship in San Diego, California. And uh, Mike, always a blessing to be with you. Looking forward to answering some questions with you. Thanks, Mike. I've got a lot of questions to ask you. Oh, good. Well, that's great. Um, <laughs> Uh, so, well, I'm glad uh, glad you're with us. Looking forward to answering some questions. Uh, Mike, uh, how long did you pastor the Horizon uh, Fellowship there in San Diego? Uh, 41 years. That's a long time. And, a long uh, time, yeah. I was at Maranatha Music, and a friend asked me to come down <laughs> to San Diego, and there's only 10 people. And I said, I, I, I just too busy. And I said, all right, I'll tell you what, I'll do you a gospel of Mark, one week, 16 weeks, a chapter each week in the summer. And uh, it grew to 1,000 people from 10 in a year. Wow. And it just kept growing and growing and growing. There are probably over 200 churches now that have grown out of it around the world. Yeah. It's a wonderful that's... thing to be a part of. It's sort of like CSN. It just keeps on going and going. Amen. And um, I, I just uh, I just remember over the years, Mike, you've been such a friend and such an encourager over the years. I just want to just uh, say thank you and look forward to answering some of those questions with you. Again, 8888, ask the ascends the number to call. Once again, before we go to the phones, I'd like to just invite you to church on Sunday. We're going through the book of Acts and we're looking at God saving the Gentiles. Now, it was always part of God's plan. It's just that the Jewish believers didn't know it. And so we're going to talk about this uh, sheet that was let down from heaven. Uh, and uh, then we find God ministering to the Gentiles. And so I think it's interesting, Mike, you're almost halfway through the book of Acts when, and they finally figured out that Gentiles could be saved. I, I think that's always kind of a funny thing. But uh, looking forward to uh, that, if you're able to be here in person, starts at 10 o'clock. If you're picking up on the radio, you can start about 1030 Mountain Time and we'll be in Acts chapter 10. So look forward to being with you at that time. Also, tomorrow we have the festive alternative from the madness of Halloween where we offer a Christ-centered alternative. We have bounce houses and petting zoos and and uh, little trains that kids can ride on, lots of games, free candy, 
it'll be a great time. We got a lot of food vendors here, mini donuts, all those uh, uh, county fair things will be here. It's like a mini county fair and it's free. And so be sure to tell a friend if you're in the Twin Falls area, because again, it's a wonderful opportunity to reach out and again, have a Christ-centered alternative. Well, let's go ahead and go to the phones. We have Mike on the line, Kona, Hawaii. Aloha. Aloha, Mike. How you doing, my friend? Good. How may we help? Hey, I got a question about Jeremiah 29.11. Okay. I've heard it for this now the second time in 23 years that it's not for everybody it's just for the jews so is that a is that a promise that we can lean on okay jeremiah 20 what was it 23 29 11 okay there it is uh yeah and it says um now uh, again for i know your i know the thoughts I think towards you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil, to give you a future and a hope. That's the verse? Yeah, yeah. I don't know why anybody wouldn't want to apply that to everyone that loves God. Because not only do you find it here, you find it all the way through the Bible. God's blessing for those that love Him. Your thoughts, Mike? Well, I think uh, Mike. my name is Mike, too. So there's three Mikes talking through three Mikes. I find that interesting. Right? <laughs> hey, uh, here, here's what I see in it. There's always a context. The context, uh, Mike, that you're sensitive to, you're asking, is this just for the Jews? Well, in context, Jeremiah was speaking to, to the, the Jews. Jews. Yes. To the Jews. He was talking to the Jews. And as Mike was saying, he's now teaching the book of Acts, and they're coming to this place that Gentiles are getting saved. So I agree with Mike Kessler that you take anything in the Bible and keep it in context, but apply to your life. And um, I think it was Chuck Smith that said a text without a context is nothing but a pretext. And so you've got it in context. A, a prophet from God is speaking to Israel. You are a child of God. You're one of his children. And this speaks to your heart. And it speaks to my heart. And that's God's heart towards you. He says, I know the thoughts that I think towards you. He's thinking nothing but peace and no thoughts of evil. And there are a lot of people that are Christian that look over their shoulder as if God's going to club them or spank them or he's angry with them. But this is his attitude and his heart towards his children, as your heart would be towards your children. Amen. And, and we find that all the way through the Bible. For God so loved the world. So, yes, I believe that um, there, that what this speaks of, yes, it's true. He's speaking to the Jewish people, but it's an attribute of God. This is mm-hmm. his heart towards human beings. And as a matter of fact, if you go to verse 13, it says, And you will seek me and find me when you search for me with all your heart. Well, that's the way it is today. People that are seek, kingdom seekers, they're going to find God. Uh, and I have found oftentimes even people that aren't, but because of the prayers of the saint, God finds them. And and uh, I, I really believe this is just simply an attribute of God. And again, that attribute is, I know the thoughts that I have towards you, says the Lord, thoughts of peace and not of evil to give you a future and a hope. Man, I'll tell you, 
Uh, I think that's probably the gospel all summarized in one nice little verse there of what God will do for us once we accept him as Savior, because that's what God does. Otherwise, we're just we're just wasting time. You know, if we were designed by God for a purpose, you know, David in the Psalms uh, talks about the trees. He says, all the trees of the field clap their hands. Talking about the little leaves shaking in the wind and people go, oh, what artistic poetry. No, not at all. Uh, That's what God invented that tree to do was wiggle its leaves in the wind. When we do what God has designed us for, we're going to be blessed. Uh, I Mm. believe when we spend our time uh, trying to define life our way, and by the way, that's what we repent from, um, I I believe this is where God comes in and changes our our purpose for living. In other words, instead of spending, and you know, I I think the best way to summarize this, Mike, is, and I've shared this many times, Mike McIntosh, you haven't heard me share this, but I went to a yard sale. And I remember looking at the yard sale. They had a lot of stuff on the table. And then underneath, there was a cardboard tattered box. And it said, anything in box. And this was a, an estate sale. Anything in box, a quarter. And I looked in the box, because I like deals. I looked in the box. But what it was filled with was trophies. Trophies of the person who died the things that they did, the runs they ran, the awards they received, only to be sold when the person's dead for a quarter at a yard sale. And I thought, how tragic these very things that we work so hard for in our life to be to be the best, to excel beyond anybody else, only at the end of our lives to be sold in a box for a quarter. And I thought, mm. how much better would you be to be about your father's business that you would have received a reward in heaven that fades not away? How much better would it be that we would have a, a, a future and a hope? Because the Bible does talk about those rewards that last for eternity. And so I hope that answers it for you, Mike. Yes, it does, Mike. Well, Mahalo, how's the volcano, you guys? I, I hear there's there's rumblings and shakings. I don't I don't feel nothing. Ah, that's good. <laughs> that, that's... Hey, can I, Mike Kessler, can I ask a question? Sure. I'd like to ask Mike and Kona, uh, is there a specific reason why you ask this question? Are you going through something where you're feeling beaten up on yourself? No. No, yeah, well, you know, life has its ups and downs, you know. And uh, I just, for the second time ever last weekend, I heard it preached that that was for the Jews. And uh, we can't lay a claim on that because it was about their captivity. Yes, okay. is wonderful. He's wonderful. Well, Mike, I, I pray that all is well. Stay on the line. We'll get you fixed up with some uh, books and DVDs. And with that, we'll go to Shannon in Cottonwood, Arizona. Hi, welcome. Hello. Hi. Um, so I know our sins are past, are forgiven past, present, and future. Um, so do we have to repent like every day? My joke is I repent every 30 seconds. Um <laughs> <laughs> and then um, my other question. It, oh, oh, I forgot. Oh, I'll think about it. But um, so, 
so what do we do if it's if we're i know we have to repent but then we feel truly sorry and then here we go a week later doing the same thing well that's the that's uh, i i believe that's the holy spirit alive inside of us interestingly enough that you asked this question because jesus when he gave the blueprint or the outline for how we should pray because they asked Jesus, they said, Jesus, you know, John taught his disciples how to pray, um, uh, you know, teach us to pray. And Jesus said, when you pray, pray in like manner. Now, he doesn't say, pray this prayer like it's some kind of a magic chant that you say, you know, 50 uh, our fathers and you get whatever you want. No, he said, when you pray, pray in this manner or containing these key points. But one of the things he said was, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Give us this day our daily bread. So when we understand that it was a prayer that basically contained the outline of what our daily prayer would be, part of that was to forgive our trespasses. Now, I, I, I believe that, again, God's mercy and grace is there. I don't believe you sneeze and you leave your salvation or anything like that. But I believe that, that we need to always have a consciousness of God's presence in our life. Uh, I think mm-hmm. one of the worst things that ministers have done over the years is they make people feel that when they go into church, they come into God's presence. And I've actually, being raised in the church, Heard ministers say, Oh God, as we come into your presence this morning. Hey, dude, where were you all weak to not be in God's presence? David said, If I ascend to heaven, you're there. If I go into Sheol, you're there. Where can I go to get away from your presence? And I think when we we present that idea that we go check God out. You know, he's got a nice house here, you know, a nice building, pretty nice parking lot, you know, pretty cool thing. Uh, no, God goes with us. The only thing that's holy about a, a church building is the holy people that fill it. Other than that, it's sheetrock and two by fours and carpet, chairs. Uh, the thing we have to remember, again, is um, when when we pray, I believe we want to align our will with God. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth and as it, as it is in heaven. Now, I'm not going to be willing to do that unless I really um, get the sin out of my life. And so, Lord, I have to always bring my life to you on a daily basis to rid out the, the sin so I'll be a clean vessel for you to be used. Mike, your thoughts. Shannon, I, I like the honesty of your question because Amen. it's probably a question on many, many multitudes of Christians. Do I have to keep repenting? And uh, Mike just gave you the answer to that, the overview of it. But it's sensitive that you're asking the question. And many years ago, I stumbled into the Psalms in Psalm 19.3. And it, uh, I was amazed with David of how humble he was before God. He was a mean, tough warrior. He is a tremendous businessman. He is a politician. But boy, in the presence of the Lord, he feared the Lord. And this has stuck with me for over 50 years, Psalm 19:13. In his prayer, in this psalm, he says, Keep back your servant also from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. Then shall I be upright and I shall be innocent from the great transgression. And as a young Christian, 
I looked at that from so many different angles, and I have for so many years. But it's the idea of being presumptuous. You're not being presumptuous by saying, do I need to be repenting all day long or every 30 minutes? Uh, You're not being presumptuous. But so many of us are presumptuous in judging other people, accepting rumors, carrying on rumors and passing them to other people. We're presumptuous about what we can do and what we can't do. And David covers his bases right here. Keep back your servant from presumptuous sins. So there are sins that maybe can sneak up on us and not just reveal themselves to us. We think we have a right to think that way. And David's covering all bases. Don't let me presume anything. Amen. And don't let presumptions have dominion over me. Amen. Shannon, I hope that helps, dear. Well, like, if you're, if you're serious about trying to repent against a certain sin, and you're like, I'm done, you know, and then, like, like I said, a week later, you're doing it again. Does that make sense? Well, here's what I would say. Uh, and yes, we all have and have ran into this. But here's what I would tell you, dear. I, I think that we have to look at where sin happens. Um, uh, sin is, is, is a trick by the devil to trip us up, to take us out of the, out of the, the effectiveness that God has for us. Now, here's what I tell people. If you find yourself sinning repetitively, you need to look and see who you're sinning with. If it's somebody, then you need to move that person out of your life. If you're sinning at a particular place, then don't go to that place. If you find yourself sinning because of something that you're looking at, look at something else. You see, the, the problem is, is that generally sin has ingredients to it. The Bible says we, we fall into sin when we're carried away with our useful, youthful lusts. And lusts come in very different shapes and forms and sizes and all kinds of things. But I need to be careful because if I find myself sinning around a particular person, place, or thing, then I need to change the company I keep, the places I go, or the things that I have. Otherwise, I will find myself repetitively falling into the sin over and over again. Now, does God forgive us? Yes, he does. Peter asked the Lord, how often shall I forgive my brother if he sins against me? Seven times? And that was being really generous. Jesus said, no, I tell you 70 times seven. And he doesn't mean 490 times and then they're done. What he's saying is as long as a person is willing to ask for forgiveness, God's willing to forgive them. But we have to remember something about sin. Sin never does me good. It always hurts me. I I may not feel the pain, I may not feel the long-term disaster that it's doing to me at the time. It may be years down the road, but I know that what God says is true. God is not a cosmic killjoy that just says, well, sin is fun and I don't want my children to have any fun. No, God knows something more about the jelly beans that were dropped in the poison than, uh, than, than I do. Uh, And if God says this isn't good for you, going back to even the tree in the Garden of Eden, don't eat of this tree. It's not good for you. 
Uh, I have to say, okay, God, I, I guess what you're saying is true. Now, I may not understand it at the time, but I, I'm going to take what you say, and I'm not going to do that. Mike, any last thoughts? Uh, J- James one uh, twelve. Blessed is the man that endures temptation, for when he's tried, he shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to them that love him. Let no man say when he's tempted, I'm tempted of God, for God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempts he any man. But every man is tempted when he's drawn away of his own lust and enticed. And then, when lust has conceived, it brings forth sin. And sin, when it is finished, brings forth death. Do not err, my beloved brethren. And I think what he's sharing there with us is that uh, you say, I'm back doing the same thing a week later. This little text that James gives us of these four verses tells us that it starts with us being tempted. And when we're drawn away by the temptation, it's our lust that allows that. Then we're, we're hooked, we're enticed. And then lust is conceived. And once that lust for whatever it is we're doing again this next week, it brings forth sin. And the sin, when it's finished, is going to kill you. So I think what it is is something you're dealing with that you're not taking control over. And you have the right to be in control of your life. And you need to pray and say, Lord, show me how to let go of this. Yeah, and and if it's brought on by certain friends, so speak friends, then maybe you need to change those or people, acquaintances. It might be uh, where you go, what you do. Hope that helps, dear. Can I, thank you, it does. Can I ask one more question? Sure. I remembered. Okay. What about, yeah. like, witnessing and, like, if I'm not producing fruit? But, but I do talk to people, and I do, like, when, I'm, when I ask about God or something, I'm like, God, oh, please tell me what to say. Mm-hmm. I do that, but I, I haven't really gotten anybody saved. Well, the Bible says some people are planters, and some people are waterers, and some people are reapers. And you may be a, so, a, a seed sower, dear. So don't. I wouldn't worry about that so much. Mike, your thoughts? Well, I was just writing that verse down. Um, you are a sower, it sounds like, that you're throwing seeds out there. And um, some people like to get in and really dig the ground. Others and put the plant in. And then others like to water. But it's God who gives the increase. And you don't need to worry, like Mike said. You're doing your part. And I found in, in evangelism and in street evangelism or stadium evangelism, if it's one person or a thousand people you're talking to, you do what you can do. If it's to be the witness, and you are, you're sowing the seed, you're planting the seed, you're maybe watering the seed that somebody else has already sown to that person. And just go at your pace. Don't push yourself. Let the Lord always lead you. Amen. And you'll be blessed, dear. Stay online, Shannon. I'll send you some things that I think you'll really enjoy. A couple of books, a couple of DVDs. Great to watch. Great to share with your friends. Since you're a seed sower, I think you'll really like that. Stay online. We'll get those to you, okay? Okay, thank you. Shannon, blessings to you. And thanks so much for the call. Let's go to Antonio, Thomasville, Georgia. Hi, welcome. I act. We're in the church. He's not a, what a plan for a woman. He sows stuff of himself to hear Hello, Antonio? Yes, sir. Hi, how may we help? Yes, I got a question from Romans chapter 8, verse 1 through 4. 
Bible says that uh, there's no more connection those who are in Christ Jesus, but then it says if those who do not walk after the flesh, so if I'm, a, if I'm saved through faith, but if I walk in the flesh, am I still saved as a believer? And, you know, and, and that, that fulfills the fullness of the of the law. You know what I mean? From verse 1 through 4, can you uh, clarify more on that, please, sir? Sure. Okay, Mike, your thoughts. All right. There is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. Otherwise, if you're walking in the flesh, there's some condemnation coming to you. But if you're walking in the Spirit, it's not there. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus, verse 2, has made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do, in that it was weak through the flesh, God sending his Son in the likeness of sinful flesh, and for sin, he condemned sin in the flesh, that the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us, who walk not after the flesh, but after the Spirit. So I think where I see that you might be a little bit confused or foggy is who walks in the Spirit and who walks in the flesh, and how do I not walk in the flesh? You don't want to accept the idea that it's possible you could walk in the flesh and still get the blessings of God's goodness and grace. Uh, now, your ultimate question is, do I lose my salvation when I walk in the flesh? Is that part of what you're wondering? Yeah, because, because, because I, if there's no more condition, those ones are Jesus, but if I walk in the flesh, am I truly been born again or regenerated by the Spirit of God or not? Now, I think uh, at the beginning of the program, Mike brought out to, I think, the first caller, uh, you know, the Lord has saved our souls. And if we cannot trust him to hold our souls, we're in big trouble. But that's why the peace comes that passes all understanding. We're not in condemnation. And we are fleshly human being people. So there's no sinless perfection until we get a new body and, and are in heaven. But in the meantime, the joy of walking in the Spirit is something you come into. And like Mike and I have both pastored for over 40 years, we, we haven't always walked in the Spirit. And we won't always every second of every hour walk in the Spirit. But overall, in general, our life is a spiritual life. And we try our best to live according to the Scripture, which keeps us in the Spirit. So if you're not in the Word and you're not praying, those are the two key ways you keep in fellowship with God. Amen. Does that so, help you end a little? Antonio, hope that helps. Oh, thank you, sir. Thank you, gentlemen. Antonio, stay in line. We'll send you out some books, some DVDs. I think you'll find very, very refreshing and helpful and great for evangelism. We're coming up on a break. No one go away. We'll have more right after this. We'll be right back. You know, a lot of times you have to choose between something high quality or something that saves you money. But if you can get both, why not? Especially when it comes to health care. And that's MediShare. You get both. The typical family saves 500 bucks a month switching to MediShare. And that's huge. But it's also true that people are way more satisfied after making the switch, too. The customer satisfaction rate for MediShare is double that of the typical health insurance plan. Double. It's because MediShare works. It's been around for more than a quarter century and members have shared more than $3 billion of each other's bills. People love having telehealth and a huge PPO network. So 
Yeah, really. You could save a ton and like it better. Imagine being happy with how you're taking care of your health care. If you're self-employed or part of the gig economy, or you just want a plan you're happy with, you can call right now and get a price within two minutes. Here is the number you need. Call 855-91-BIBLE. That's 855-91-BIBLE. 855-91-BIBLE. Wondering what to do with your extra car or truck? Donating your present vehicle to CSN Radio is convenient, easy, and may qualify you for a tax deduction. Best of all, your donation of a car truck will make a big difference in supporting CSN Radio. Why not donate your extra vehicle today? All you need to do is complete a simple online donation form or call 1-800-357-4226 And we'll take care of the rest. We'll pick up your vehicle, arrange to have your donation towed, and provide you with a tax deduction receipt, all at no charge to you. Call 1-800-357-4226 or go online at csnradio.com and click on the car donation button. Thanks for your support. you back to part two of to every man and answer on this friday afternoon with mike mcintosh i'm your host mike kessler and uh, once again would like to let you all know about our festive alternative here at the rivers and fellowship starts tomorrow at two o'clock in the afternoon and so we will be going till i don't know four something o'clock last year we had oh 1500 people or so show up it was great it's kind of like a mini county fair if you will we got food vendors, we've got uh, train rides, we've got all this for free for the kids and uh, candy and a safe alternative, Christ-centered for you tomorrow at two o'clock. So we want to encourage you to come. I think you'll really enjoy it. And um, with that, we'll go back to the phones. We have Craig on the line in California. Hi, welcome. Hey, gentlemen. Thank you so much for what you do. This is so appreciated. Um there's a quick question for you. In heaven, we're going to have things that we need to do. What kind of jobs will we have? Or is, like, are we going to have window cleaners and sweet, uh, street sweepers? Or are we going to be working for somebody? Or are we, what's, what's the go there? Well, you know, that's, a, that's, a, that's a, a truth, Craig, that I've oftentimes thought about as well. What's heaven going to be like? I mean, and especially when the Bible says that throughout all of eternity... God is going to show us his greatness. What's beyond the stars? What's inside the atom? I I can't wait. I can't imagine the Bible studies that Jesus himself will teach and all those um all those uh, places they have a saying in, in in amongst the Jews that says when Messiah comes even the space between the letters will mean something. So I look at that and I I think that's very interesting when we Really look at uh, what heaven is going to be like. I, I don't think there's going to be floor scrubbers and stuff like that because there's no uh, there's no deterioration. There's there's no sin. There's no decay. Uh, that all came about through Adam and Eve. Um, so I, I really believe that God will will have us 
do various things. And certainly during the millennial reign of Christ, we'll rule and reign with him and we'll be the enforcers, probably magistrates and enforcers of of God's uh, commands here on this earth. Mike, your thoughts. Well, in Second uh, Corinthians chapter 12, verse 2, Paul said, I know a man in Christ above 14 years ago, whether he's in the body or he's out of the body, or whether he's, uh, you know, it, he said, I can't tell. God knows. Such a one was caught up into the third heaven. So when I think of this, but what we're going to be doing, first of all, that statement that Paul says is probably talking about himself when he was stoned and led over the wall in a basket um, and, and got away from the Jews that were trying to kill him. And he introduces us to a third heaven. Now, we know our atmosphere, stratosphere, ionosphere. That's our first heaven, more than likely, uh, where our uh, airplanes fly, where we can see. Then the second heaven is the universe all around us. We're in a galaxy, in a solar system inside that galaxy on a planet. And outside of the galaxy are trillions of galaxies. But then the third heaven appears to be a dimension where God lives. The other thing that comes to my mind, uh, Craig, is this. Eye has not seen, ear has not heard, never has entered into the heart of man the things that God has prepared for them that love him. And um, I don't want to put any ideas in your heart if the Bible says we can't even imagine what God has for us. But I do think it's gonna, not going to be us uh, in our, our little Casper the Friendly Ghost pillowcase floating around playing a harp. I think we're going to be known as we are known, the Bible says. I think we're going to be in a new body, as First Corinthians 15 says. There'll be no more sickness, sadness, sorrow, as Mike said just now, no decay. There'll, there'll be no dust, no dirt. There'll be no germs. Um, so the, it's not going to be anything like we can imagine, but I think we'll still be the same person in this new heavenly body, and that we can go and explore, and who knows what God has planned for the future and eternity once this all takes place. I, I think that we're intelligent beings, and only the world system has made us dumbed down beings, but with that new body and a fresh mind, and knowing who we are in Christ, I think we're going to have fantastic jobs. But there won't be work. There'll be joy. Yeah, it's not work like labor. I I, I believe again to just to just be able to to go beyond the stars. To go. I mean, uh, when you look at how brilliant God's design is, I I think about all the things that He does and. And even in a fallen world, because after the flood, the world changed. But even in the world we're in, I see how God has designed things, his engineering, his thought, and everything like that. What an insult to God to say, oh, it all evolved. It just rap, random happenstance. Yeah. What, what an insult. Right. Uh, it, you know, it's interesting in Proverbs, the Bible says the eye and the ear, God made both of them. It's interesting. It says that singles those out. Do you know those are the two greatest anomalies in evolution they can't explain? Because in order to have an eyeball, you, you have to have the eye form. It has to have a lens form at the exact same time. It has to have an optic nerve that hooks to a brain that would understand what that nerve is. It can't just happen. And the same it is for the ear. 
To say that just happened by random happenstance over billions and billions. They throw those numbers out like it's the national debt. Anyway, they, they do this kind of stuff. What an insult. Because they know they, it, it's impossible. You have to have tear ducts form at the same time the eyeball form, at the same time the optic nerve. Uh, all these things had to happen at the same time or it doesn't work. And yet they talk about the marvel of, of evolution. No, the foolishness, uh, baseless religion of evolution. Fact mm. is, it had to happen at the same time. That's fact. But not to an evolutionist because they're mindless. But even Darwin said his greatest problem with his theory was where are the transitional life forms, either living or fossilized? They're not there. There should be billions and billions right now trading up. And why are they so worried about global warming? It's killing off species. Not to worry. There's going to be a whole new line of new creatures coming out next year. No, it doesn't happen, does it? It's all a big lie. But this is what's taught to our kids in school in place of God. And it's an insult. But I believe that we're going to see the wisdom of God throughout all of eternity, his creation that goes on and on, not in a fallen state, but something far beyond that. Wow. Amazing, Mike. Yes. Overwhelming. It was at Psalm 14, it says that the fool has said in his heart, there is no God. And that's exactly who would say it would be a fool. Amen. So, Craig, hope that answers it for you. Thank you very much, gentlemen, and I'll pray that you guys have an absolutely brilliant weekend up there. Oh, you too. And stay in line. I got something really great I want to send you called God of Wonders. It's a great DVD. It's, it's, it's just really awesome, and I know you'll really enjoy it, as well as Evolution versus God. Um, and uh, you stay on. I'll, I'll get those out to you. I know you'll really enjoy them, Craig. Great for evangelism, too. Let's go to Ben in Hilo, Hawaii. Aloha. Aloha. Uh, I'm going to start off by asking for forgiveness if my questions or ignorance may sound offensive to the Heavenly Father or anyone who hears these words. I got four simple questions. Are we made in the image of God? Yes. Yes. Okay, so if so, does that mean God is an imperfect God because we are imperfect? No, because God made man and created him. When he created him, he was perfect perfect, if you will. It's when he sinned afterwards. That's when death and sin entered all of humanity, Adam and Eve. Okay, what was the rest of it? Uh, is Question number two and then four is, is God an all-knowing God? And if the answer again is yes, question number four, did God make a mistake with the Ten Commandments and what he did with Moses coming up with those Ten Commandments. Well, no, no. In fact, God knows everything. He lives in all times present. Revelation chapter 22, I'm Alpha and Omega, beginning and the end, first and the last. What he says there is he lives in all times present. I don't know, Ben, anything like that on earth. Everything I know has a date tied to it, whether it's a 57 Chevy or, uh, uh, you know, a gallon of milk that expires in two weeks. Everything I know has a date attached to it, including all of us when we are born and when we die. 
We all have that date. So if God knows everything, and put it this way, I'll add another question here. If God ultimately knows who will accept him and who will reject him, then why do we have to go through this zoo called living? Well, first of all, God's a legal God. People might say, well, if he really lived his life out in real time, he would have accepted Christ or he wouldn't accepted Christ. Well, this is why the Bible talks about predestination. We're predestined from God's viewpoint, but not from man's. That's why the gospel, the Great Commission, go preach the gospel to every creature, not predestinated ones, that goofy doctrine that floats around out there that just deceives people. But when we have to understand that God knows that, well, then why do we go through this? It is for our benefit. God loves us so much that he let us experience life to understand who he is, why he is, and that will then contribute to us in the eternal reign uh, of, of the Bible says we'll be ruling and reigning with him for a thousand years. And then beyond that, in other words, we won't look at God like Lucifer did and rebel because we all know what rebellion does. It causes sin and death in our world. It causes sin and death in our personal lives. We understand and know that God says, I'm going to give people a choice of what they want to do with their lives. The angels didn't have that, but God gives that to us. And those that choose him, the Bible says he will make us his bride. Imagine that. Us human beings being the bride of God. Wow. You think of the 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 focus and the the emphasis that God puts on all of us as human beings. You go, my goodness, no wonder Satan rebelled against God. Because he didn't care if human beings created lower than God. The Bible says uh, that he created he created human beings lower than the angels. That didn't bother uh, Lucifer. But then the Bible says those that choose to love him, having never seen him, and wanting to do his will, having never known him physically, the Bible says he will elevate above the angels, and we'll judge angels, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, and then God calls us his bride. I believe something, whatever it was, that caused that pride in Lucifer and a third of the stars as well, a third of the angels, it was probably pretty monumentous. And I believe that when the announcement came, that's why I believe the fall of Lucifer was after God created man and woman, the earth and the garden. Because repetitively God says, he created everything. He saw that it was good. It was very good. All these good affirmations. Well, you wouldn't have a devil in a, in a good world. But after Satan fell and Jesus said, I beheld Satan fall like lightning. I believe that was over human beings. And I, this is why I believe that you find demonic activity, devils work to destroy human beings always to destroy human beings. That's why I believe that 1 Corinthians 6 says, do you not know someday you will judge angels? What angels? The fallen angels that just wreaked havoc on human beings ever since the beginning. These supernatural, powerful forces, disembodied spirits that roam this earth looking for somebody to move into, looking at some of these angelic beings that are so 
so demonic, so powerful, they're chained in the bottom of the Euphrates River. They will be released to wreak more havoc on man. But when you stop to think that God's going to call us, those that called and upon him for salvation, his bride. Wow. When you stop to think how awesome that is, um, it's for our benefit that we get to live this life. God already knows the decisions you and me are going to make. I don't, though. And that's why God gives us the opportunity to understand, because it's going to make all of us some really good judges and cops, all those things during the millennial reign. Mike, your thoughts? Well, I'm interested in in what you were thinking God could have done wrong with the Ten Commandments. Could you explain that uh, to us, Ben? Um, What do you mean? I I mean... uh... Uh, he 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 put Moses through what he put Moses through, and uh, the people oh. of uh, the Jewish people through what he put them through, and he yeah. came up with the ten, ten commandments. Was that a yeah. does that mean if God is an all knowing God uh, that we cannot follow those because we are imperfect people? We cannot follow those commandments. Was that a mistake then to come up with that? No, being a father of six kids and thirty one grandkids. Uh, I have to have some rules when they enter my house, and I don't expect I'm going to follow all the rules or complete all the rules. I'll still love them, but I want them to see that they don't have all the answers. And that's what I learned with God. I didn't have all the answers. And when I found all the hardship I went through the first 26 years of my life, I realized that was to drive me to Him. And now, the next 26 years of my life, I've come to find out that all the trials I go through is to perfect me and make me more like him now that I've found him. And so when you look at it, here's what amazes me about those Ten Commandments, is that there's six commandments for you and getting along with man. Four of those ten are you getting along with God. You would think it'd be five of each, but it dawned on me, it's harder to get along with man. I have six things I have to do to get along with you then to get along with God, there's only four things. And the Ten Commandments were a mistake. I think they encapsulate all the things that our flesh is not able to do, and it draws us to the Lord, the Word, the Holy Spirit, and forgiveness. So I don't think he was mistaken. No. Let me just leave, leave you with this beautiful thought from Psalm 139. He said, uh, darkness doesn't hide you. The night shines as the day to you, God, Psalm 139, 12. The darkness and the light are both alike to you. You see, God doesn't think as we think, higher than the heavens are, than our thoughts from his. I will praise you, for you have possessed my reins. You've covered me in my mother's womb, so he saw you and me as unborn in the womb. I'll praise you because I'm fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works. Your soul, my soul knows that right. My substance was not hid from you. Your eyes did see my substance, yet being unperfect. And in your book, all of my members, my members are written down, which in continuance were fashioned as if there were none of them. So God knew, like Mike just said, that he knows the day we're going to die. But here's the one that gets me about this when David is answering these questions that you and I have. Psalm 139.17. How precious. That word precious isn't found but a handful of times in the Bible. How precious also are your thoughts unto me, O God. How great is the sum of them. If I should count them, 
They're more in number than the sand. And when I awake, I'm still with you. I've been in several deserts. One of the biggest was in Saudi Arabia. I was there a few years ago. And uh, two and a half hours from any city out in the middle of the desert. And um, I was going to meet some people there that uh, wanted to introduce me to the work they were doing. And I saw all that sand and I thought of this. If I could take a handful of sand and I could slow time down, it would probably take me hundreds of years to count every grain if it could come out at the bottom of my hand. One, and he says, if I thought of all the numbers of wonderful thoughts, precious thoughts, all the sand in the world wouldn't add up to it. So I think it's great you have these questions, but don't ever forget how big God is. He's way bigger than us. He knew us before he formed us, and he thought us out, which he told Jeremiah, before I formed you in your mother's womb, I knew you. So he chose his being a male and a female. And this is why Satan is so full of wrath right now, is because he's trying to destroy that which is made in the likeness and image of God. Amen. And in California, we have the, the X and the Y and the G and the male and the female and the transgender and the homosexual and the lesbian and the gays and on and on and on. There's only a male and female, but the devil likes to confuse it. And when the, you, your mind gets stressed, even with the Bible, what you don't know, go back to what you do know, and the Lord will always make it simple. His wisdom from above is first pure, then it's gentle, and then it's easy to understand. He makes it really simple. Amen. Ben, the Ten Commandments, just to let you know as well, is the greatest document ever written on the psychology of man. Now, <laughs> when you look at this, it, it yeah. is an amazing document. Six days you shall work on the seventh rest. What does that tell me? One, man can be greedy and work all seven days. Or man can be lazy and not work the six days. What do we have today? It describes that. It tells me by nature we're selfish. It tells me by nature we're covetous. It tells me by nature that we reject God. Thou shalt not have any other gods before me. Well, I'm God. I'm going to do what I want to do. Um, uh, it shows that we, denote, we, we can't get control of our language. Do not, uh, you know, use the name of the Lord in vain. We find all these commandments that show what's wrong with humans. This is what Jesus came to fix. Now, Jesus said mm -hmm. this, if you love me, keep my commandments. That's not the Ten Commandments. Jesus's commandments were to love God with your whole heart, mind, soul, and spirit, and love your neighbor as yourself. And he says, upon these two, two commandments... Hang all the law and the prophets. So when we look at that, we realize this is what we're saved from. We're saved from, and, and you go to college, you, you can go take your psych classes, uh, Young, Freud, all those. But when it comes right down to it, the Ten Commandments are exactly what's wrong with human beings and yeah. why we need a Savior. And so, no, it's, it's not a mistake Unfortunately, it's very revealing what's wrong with human beings. Hope that helps, Ben. Yes, it does. I'm going to make a copy of the Ten Commandments. I'm going to put one in my office and one in my room and try to see if I can try to follow yeah. as many of them as I possibly can. Well, I all you need to do is write down two. Love God with your whole heart, mind, soul, and spirit, 
and love your neighbor as yourself. Upon these two, Jesus said, hang all the law and the prophets. Everything, including the Ten Commandments in the Old Testament, all the other laws, all came down to just two. That's all you have to do. Love God. Love your fellow man. Boy, that's easy. Yeah, you're feeling it. Yeah. It, it, and it's it, interesting, Mike, the Jews did over 600 interpretations of those Ten Commandments. Yeah. They gave 600 plus lost. Yeah. So, Ben, stay on the line. We'll send you out some books, some DVDs I think you'll really enjoy. And again, mahalo. And uh, thanks. Great questions. And so we'll get those out to you. Great for evangelism. Hand them out. Give them to your friends and get them back and lend them out again. But you'll really enjoy them. Ben, blessings to you. And I hope that answered it for you. Let's go to Russ, Mississippi. Hi, welcome. Hey, uh, Mike. uh, I've got a question about the Azusa Street revival, as you know, that occurred uh, yes. in the early 1900s. And in my early Christianity, I've heard so much about it in many churches, but I don't hear anything today. Well, I, th- there's been a lot of outpourings of the Holy Spirit, I believe, at different times. Certainly, I believe the Jesus movement was was that as well, where it was just an overwhelming uh, uh, um, call of God. Mike, you were there. I was there. Your thoughts? Uh, are you asking, actually, Russ, about specifically revival or specifically the Azusa Street revival? The Azusa Street revival. Okay. Yeah. That was at the turn of the century, the 1900s, and uh, it was a, a Revival that was filled with signs and wonders. The Foursquare Church denomination came through that. The Assembly of God Church was uh, affected by that. And in 1906, there's a man named uh, Reverend Seymour, and he was uh, preaching. And um, it just broke out. People started getting saved. They started speaking in tongues. Uh, The filling of the Holy Spirit was something that marked that revival that people just felt so full of joy and happiness. A love for the Bible came out of that. Um, And uh, part of your question was, uh, you don't hear much about it, uh, which I'm glad you said. I love revival. I've studied it thoroughly in graduate school, and uh, you can never get enough of it. And one of the reasons we don't hear much about that or other revivals that have happened uh, going way back to, which was an awakening with uh, George Whitfield and uh, the early days of America. That's how our country got so strong so quickly was the revivals. The reason, I believe, is that the church today in general, Mike Kessel, you can back me up or uh, take a different point of view, but it seems to have drifted from the scriptures say, remove not the ancient landmarks. And we've removed a lot of ancient landmarks like the Azusa uh, revival and the Jesus people movement and other things that have happened. And God still wants to do these things. I believe that that revival is on the heart of God. Russ, I hope that answered. David, please call us back. Thanks, Mike, for being on. God bless you. Have a safe weekend. This ministry or to receive a copy of today's program, please call 1-800-357-4226 or write us to Every Man and Answer, P.O. Box 391, Twin Falls, Idaho, 83303. 
That toll-free number is 1-800-357-4226. Subscribe to the free podcast on iTunes by searching for To Every Man and Answer in the iTunes Store or visit us online at csnradio.com slash TEMA. To Every Man and Answer is a production of CSN International, the Christian Satellite Network. The opinions expressed by our guests may or may not be those of CSN International or of this station. 